I just wanted to say that last night I went to bed at 4 in the morning, maybe 5 in the morning, woke up around 12, it's now 2. I had a plan of editing an animatic that I've made over the course of like a month or two. And I did the voiceover for it yesterday, went to go get lunch after, felt high. I have clips of me feeling high and driving while feeling high after eating In-N-Out, so, um, In-N-Out, what the fuck was that? Uh, went home, got, like, pissed, depressed, pissed, uh, at some point it reached three in the morning. That was really annoying. I was like, what happened? I was angry for a couple things. I was angry because I don't have a social life in LA that doesn't involve my apartment complex. And other people in my life have a life outside of my apartment complex. Sorry, that was my cat. I have cats at the moment. And for a long moment, it's going to be a long moment be like a hopefully a 20 year moment i don't know how long cats live um i don't know how long these cats will live it's really hard to say but so far so good (laughs) um i was angry about not having an la life not having cultivated an la life but also finding like social group outside of my community has been super hard and i just haven't pushed through on it and at the same time it's just really hard to make other people do the same. It's just, it's really hard to make a community. And it's exhausting for everyone. Um, so there's that. That's why I was angry. I was angry about what I felt at the time was like a lack of dis- a lack of respect from certain people in my life. My cats are currently fighting. Um, when I feel tumultuous feelings, they already felt them for much longer. Cats don't like each other, but they also are very um, cute and they sleep together. So you can truly say that they're sisters. It's really fun. They need to see them be sisters. Anyway, I was angry at something that I deemed as disrespectful by people around me. And it made me just really upset. And I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of mm, featuring Trixie Mattel and Katya. I love Trixie Mattel, by the way. If you don't know who they are, they are contestants on season seven's Drag Race. And they also have a show together called Mm. They have a podcast together called um, The Bald and the Beautiful. Uh, Trixie goes on live shows, Katya goes on live shows, they're on tour together right now, they're a great duo, and Trixie has her own YouTube channel, you have a YouTube channel, and you are all on my TikTok calling me daddy, anyway, Katya is the one in question at the moment, because she's the one who, um, is (laughs) seen as off the edge all the time. And I'm at a stage in my life where I'm feeling off the edge and I'm like twirling a noose in my hands. That's a little dark. Feels a little scary to say that, but we're here. So let's keep going. I think my cats keep me from the noose. I even tweeted about that. I even said that it was like on Twitter, my cats keep me from the noose. Um, before it was Conan. Conan kept me from the noose. Now the cats keep me from the noose. I haven't said the cats' names. Okay. There's Emma, who is a black and white tuxedo lady, who is, um, what is she? When she first came to me, she was a foster, and I had the option to just have her get adopted out, or I had the option to keep her. Um, honestly, Emma came with a lot of cool shit beforehand. She came with her own litter box, which I still have in my storage. She came with a shit ton of toys, which I donated. 
Uh, she came with a full bag of food, uh, Pretty Litter. <laughs> I don't know why, but that was very exciting to me at the time because I'd heard of Pretty Litter and I was like, I really want to try it, but I don't want to buy it. Someone gave it to me. I guess I kind of bought it along with adopting her, but it really, I really came with, she came with a lot of free shit and I was really excited about that. So yeah, if you are looking for a cat, make sure they have a bundle deal before you adopt them and then use their rescue label as something to trophy around everywhere you go because that is how LA is. You trophy around all of your successes uh, to the point where it's nauseating and you're like, God, I have to start doing that in order to fit in and that sucks, but I want to stay. Sounds good. My trophy at the moment is that I am a 19-year-old who can afford to pay rent in Los Angeles uh, and can afford to pay for college at the moment. Um, my other trophy is that I am very handy um, and I can drill holes into walls and spackle and put cock on a wall and suck a cock, I don't know. You can do both. If you can do both, that's two trophies. Um, what's my third trophy? My third trophy is that I'm sexy, fly, and beautiful, and I haven't died yet. That is a trophy. That is truly a trophy. Um, yeah. I've gone into the transition of making fun of my poor mental health. Because, my god, you can pay hundreds of dollars for a therapist, and you can try and talk to people regularly and, like, keep in good communication and do your best to keep in good communication with people and you can have people that love you and you still are thinking about the news so interesting adulthood is so fun people really warned me about adulthood um and by people i mean uh the people around me and if the people around me were in charge of teaching me about adulthood i wouldn't be in la i would never have had sex at all um I would have never quit working. I would have never stopped working because I was surrounded by workaholics and that's just like a lifestyle. It's a cultural thing, honestly, I think. Um, it's still in LA too, but oh my God, is it hard to get a job in LA? Oh my God, does it take a lot of pushing to get a job in LA? A lot more pushing than is worth whatever crappy, crappy job you are going to get. Uh, so yeah, entrepreneurship is the move here so far. Um, maybe I'll get a mixology degree and work as a bartender, because that doesn't sound too bad. Maybe follow in AOC's footsteps, because I love that bitch. Um, anyway. Do you see where I'm getting at? Do you see where, like, there's a whole um, gold mine of potential uh, comedy bits and, like, material to take from? This is why we're making this transition into being really depressed and talking about it and, like, posting about it and exploiting it for the internet. It's because I don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> recently and by recently I mean maybe an hour ago with a classmate of mine or a former classmate of mine from high school if you guys don't know I'm from Marin I used to feel really apprehensive about saying that because I don't know I didn't really know Marin's reputation outside of living in Marin and now that I kind of still don't have an idea of what it is I've been like, mm, no one's going to tell me the reputation of Marin to my face, so it's probably what I think the reputation of Marin is. Let's just go along with it, because you can't hide where you're from. I'm from Marin. Uh, the reputation that I think people have of Marin is that it is old white people who are very rich. Um, and because it's in the Bay, people think a lot of tech people live there. I honestly have no idea. I don't know that many tech people. I would say that a lot of people that live there are just rich. God knows why. God knows why they're rich, but they're rich. 
Um, and sometimes they're not rich. Sometimes they're house rich and money poor. Um, and then you hear that and you're like, yeah, but that's still privilege. It's just a different looking privilege. It's just like B plus C equals D instead of A plus B equals C. It's just a different formula. Still is the same shit. Um, so that's Marin. If that made any sense. <laughs> and that's where I'm from. My cats are still fighting. Can you hear that? God, they're annoying. Let's talk about why I got cats before we keep going into the Marin Saga, because there's not much to beat there, uh, other than the fact that we're white and we're rich, and that's where I'm from. Cats. Now, if you guys have listened to the Noel Culture podcast previously, you would know that there were two co-hosts with me who currently are not on this episode, uh, Sam and Josh. We love Sam and Josh. Sam and Josh are queens and kings. They're kings. (laughs) Sam and Josh are kings. We need to respect that, make it be known, and I'm the queen. There's no room for anyone else. No more queens. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. If we expanded, that would be so fucking cool. But anyway. Cats. Before Cats was a bird named Conan. Conan passed. Conan passed December 18th, I believe about 7 o'clock at night. I went to see Dune that day with my dad. I had been home in Marin for less than 24 hours. I come home from the movie, I hear a voicemail on my phone of my mother sobbing, I go home, and I see that my mom has broken her shoulder, um, she had Husky at the time, and Husky was, like, either in the house or outside the house, um, and she had put Conan on her dresser, and Conan was dead, and... I went to go look at him, and he was still warm, so in a way that was calming for me. He wasn't breathing, he had died, um, I don't know how long he'd been dead for, but I came home at about 8.30, so he might have passed at like 7 or 7.30. I feel like he had only been, he was like recently dead. And my mom and my dad went to the hospital to go treat her broken shoulder. She still is recovering. It's March, so. I mean, it's really hard to recover from a broken shoulder. Apparently she broke it in two places. And it was just like a miracle that she recovered well. And it was very dramatic. That night was incredibly dramatic. There were feathers everywhere. Um, The dog, his name was Niall. I have a video of him on my youtube channel of my thanksgiving vlog i haven't been able to make anything since because everything's kind of been tainted by this horrible horrible moment um i swept up conan's feathers i texted people um i kind of moved on as best as i could at the time uh which involved a lot of suicidal ideation, a lot of tears, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration with the fact that there is no good in being angry. Um, I'm still angry now. I was angry last night, so yeah, anger is just a thing of grief. And I am sick of hearing people talk about how grief is like this crazy, crazy tie-dye puzzle. It's like so complicated and so insane i'm i'm not interested in talking about grief i have no interest in grief i really don't have time for grief and that's part of why this is the way i'm recovering from being uh in grief of such a horrible horrible tragedy of my mom's dog eating my bird and killing my bird and breaking my mom's shoulder um to that dog hi hope you're well we surrendered that dog i took that dog all the way back to LA. If you guys didn't know, 
I didn't really post about this, but I did talk about it a lot, like, privately. And I was really pissed about it. <laughs> so that's why I'm, like, feeling like I'm rehashing something that's kind of old. Niall was from L.A. Uh, we adopted him in that fucking area in Culver City where there's, like, a billion shelters. I don't know why there are so many vet clinics, shelters, like, ASPCAs all in that little area in like Venice and Culver City next to the Marukai um but anyway we adopted him from one of those you don't need to know which one um and they told us like oh if this doesn't work out just surrender him back to us if you surrender him to like a local area where you live in San Francisco we're gonna have someone ship him back anyway and we were like what the fuck is that a threat (laughs) what the fuck is that like we don't want anyone to have to deal with that. Uh, and we're the ones that brought him to San Francisco. So it's like, if anyone's going to take him back to LA, it should be us. At least that's what I thought. That's like, that's what I imposed on my family to think. I'm like, guys, you bring him to San Francisco, but he's from LA. Bring him back to LA. If you need to do such things as surrender him. And <sighs> let's just say we didn't set Niall up for success to thrive in our family. And, I mean, he was deaf, but that's not really the biggest reason at all as to why it didn't work out. Like, that really was not the biggest contributing factor in the slightest. It was, like, the tenth reason. Um, But my parent, my mom, because she was the sole caretaker of Niall on paper, is just not fit to take care of an 80 pound puppy who uh needs a lot of rearing and teaching that my mother just didn't provide for my sister or for me in our opinions so how and so we didn't set her up for success because we were like if you didn't rear us how the hell are you gonna rear this very um doesn't speak your language type of bitch (laughs) this isn't gonna work like we speak your language and we already don't understand you how is this fucking dog gonna get you and like how is this gonna work and it didn't and I saw that and said wow this is the way that I come home for thanks for Christmas break love that for me um I'm taking your dog took her dog and I, I was like I'm taking your dog back to LA uh and my dad was like yeah take the dog back to LA it broke your mom's shoulder killed your bird what if it does that to me? I'm 74. Don't have time to be dealing with some fucking puppy that is huge and does not understand us in the way that we need it to. And we don't speak dog at all. And we're not really, we're not really getting anywhere where we're at. So let's just, let's just cut our losses. That was kind of how I felt the conversation went. Um, and I was home for nine days ten days and it was all just an anticipation of me to go back to LA because at this point LA is my home uh this apartment is my home in my mind when I go home I'm very um reminiscent and I miss LA um and that's just because I've built so much to stay here and it takes a lot to stay here and it's not really sustainable to keep living here but I love it, and it is a drug um, that I can't afford to take because I'm in college and I'm broke and loans only pay for so much, but moving on from that, because that's really morbid, really annoying, um, what else? (sighs) Taking Niall back to LA was a political process in the household of McKenna. Because there were many people that wanted Niall, many people that didn't want Niall. And let's just say the people that wanted Niall weren't taking care of Niall. Uh, and some people were taking care of Niall and wanted Niall, but they just weren't here. And so, because of that, I decided to just be very tyrannical in my process of saying, Nope. Guys, I'm taking him back to LA. And I was very forthcoming with saying that I was taking him back to LA. But... I mean, 
doesn't matter in some ways because people still won't listen to you and people will still think that they have a chance and it just matters about and in this moment I I thought like it just matters who's going to deliver on their word who's going to actually do what they want like who's going to do what Niall needs and what Niall needs is a place for those people that are willing and able to take care of him in a good way and I saw a situation that was terrible and we weren't able to take care of Niall in a good way and like we had let him do like one of the worst things ever we let him be a murderous dog that kills people's pets that is grounds for like euthanasia that is a horrible thing to allow a dog to become and it's the owner's fault when something like this happens and you have to cut your losses and say well this isn't gonna work we need to we need to stop we need to stop where we're at and keep moving forward and so that's what I did I drove Niall all the way back here to LA took him back to his shelter and surrendered him under my mom's name um my best friend was with me really um throughout that time and she was here she took care of me she saw my apartment she got to meet a couple of my roommates or like one of my roommates she got to meet one of my roommates she got to see um my neighbors and hang out with me for new years and we had a lot of fun in LA. I took her out a lot and we got to do a lot of fun things together, which is something that I can't say I do in LA a lot. I don't do a lot of things in harmony a lot in LA. I do a lot of things on my own in LA and that's a very lonely thing. LA has been very lonely, but at the same time, I have friends here. They just all live in my apartment complex. So like, I'm never leaving Hollywood <laughs> ever. <laughs> Truly, like I just don't get to see LA for what it is especially because of COVID like COVID is so scary and COVID is stressful and like just because I saw the Huntington Gardens doesn't mean I've seen LA and it's just really been a struggle it's been a struggle to get around and become a member of the city truly I've become a member of my community my apartment building but that is kind of it and that's pretty limiting but let me move on <sighs> Lily was with me Lily left she has her own family that she lives next to and has a community that she's with she's her boyfriend she has her cat she has a job she has school as well like she's set busy I'm busy and even though she's my best friend can't see her all the time sorry pepper's trying to hop onto the chair oh she made it she made it little girly anyway when lily left i was in shambles there were no cats there was no Conan. I had taken his cage down. I had thrown away his toys, probably. Maybe not yet. Maybe I hadn't thrown away his toys yet. But I had moved my couch to where his cage used to be. And I was just sitting in that space. Just sobbing. I was miserable. I was angry. I was alone. Um, I had gotten some very nice texts from my roommates and I was like oh that's great but it doesn't matter because I'm alone right now and Lily's gone and there's no one for me to talk to other than my therapist and maybe my family but my family are the cause to my issue as to why Conan isn't here anymore so I am alone and there are a lot of times where I will be alone and there are a lot of times where I'm just going to have to accept that there's nothing left for me to use to get over these things. Like, the energy that it takes to get over things alone 
is a finite source in the moments where I'm sobbing and crying about something horrible that has happened and I am trying to cope with it and get through it and move past it and let it go alone. It feels like that energy is finite, even though it isn't. It isn't finite. You'll always get through everything as long as you can, as long as you tell yourself you can, you can get through anything. And that's like one of the gifts of the internet. The internet shows you that you can get through anything. Like you look at celebrities who are millionaires, billionaires, and you see their struggles or you hear their stories, their prior stories to fame, their stories after fame, like the horrible, awful dramas that have happened to them. And they still get through it and they still make it through and they're rich and they're famous and they're privileged and then you get to call them trash. You see that. And you're like, if that person can do it, and I look at their situation and think I would have fucking died if I was them, it tells you, like, if they can do it, I can do it. And it also tells you that it takes a lot of letting go of your feelings in order to make it here, or anywhere. And that's where I'm at. I'm at that spot of, you have to lie to yourself a lot, you have to convince yourself of a lot of things, you have to make things reality, you have to believe in yourself, you have to tell yourself that you deserve everything, even if you were the scum of the earth, you still deserve everything. That was something I learned from one of my neighbors who's listens to a lot of coaching um, content on the internet. She's like, if you, even if you were not a talented individual, you would still deserve to get paid for whatever you're giving to someone. And you would still deserve a career, even if you weren't talented. And you are talented. Her, um, You being me in this conversation. She was like, you are talented. But even if you weren't, you'd still deserve to get paid for what you do. You would still deserve a career. And things like that, mantras like that, started me getting more acceptance to the fact that I am very alone in LA. I am very alone in my experience of wanting to be here and work on film. In the sense of like, no one I know is here in this moment no one's living in my apartment complex no one's here in LA the people that are in LA are in different schools but they're having their own journeys and like you have to reach out to them and it's just not the time we're all too busy trying to keep up and trying to make this transition from high school to college and soon it's going to be high school to college to talent to job and why talent's important is because like we're in the film industry you have to have talent or you have to market yourself as talent and sell yourself and say this is why I belong here this is why you should have me I deserve to be here you should pick me and give me the chance that I deserve that is involving in talent that involves being talent that involves um, paying what you're offering and it is a lot of um, entrepreneurialship and it's a lot of selling yourself and it's a lot of independence and um, being a freelance worker it's just a totally different life from being a high schooler one and it's a totally different life from what you may think is life because what I think is life is being a dishwasher being a lifeguard being a bookseller at Barnes and Noble being a vet assistant at a vet clinic that's life that's those are all examples of life um other examples of life that haven't been my experience that have been other people's experiences working at Nordstrom and selling shoes or Knowing everyone's taxes in your county and, like, sorting all that paperwork of, like, property ownership. 
being HR for FDIC. Um, one of my friend's moms is a producer and an editor. I think they call her a predator. <laughs> yeah, that's Sam. That's Sam. That's Sam. His mom calls her that. And it's so funny. I think we might have mentioned that on the podcast once. Um, I don't know what Josh's mom does. <laughs> but love you. <laughs> um, I do... F- I'm like, I follow his sister on Instagram and she's a really cool Instagram about her family and she's a mom and it's super fun. Um, <laughs> you guys should go follow her. I'll find her Instagram in a second. Ugh. My sister was commenting on my cat tree and said, your cat tree is huge. My cat tree is huge because my cock is huge. <laughs> my cock is huge. It's huge. It's the biggest cock you've ever seen in your life um if you can hear nature um or highway noises that is because i live next to the highway and that is because it is la baby los angeles california baby hollywood california baby anyway um the cat journey the cat journey started Less than 24 hours after Conan died. I went to my sister's house. And I was like, hi, Daniela, I'm in grief. We were here maybe two years ago when I lost Corby. Because Corby was a congenitally ill bird that had poor fucking immune responses and just died from a blood draw. Uh, We were here two years ago. Hi, how are you? And... My sister's response was less than couth, in my opinion. I hated it. I hated it. I still hate it. Um, You just have to move on from that, but that is something that I hated, and I will mention that. Um, But anyway, she was like, you should get a cat. Yeah, I I see cats for you. And I was like, oh, interesting. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Cats. That seems like my next coping mechanism is getting cats. Like, bird was because I wanted a bird, because I had a bird. God, I was 2013, so I was 11. So that was nine years ago. I had a bird nine years ago. That bird died by me. That was my fault, being 11 and stupid. Uh, Then I got another bird that was Corby, and that was to try again into the bird realm. Corby died of just being a bred bird and a great testament of why breeders fucking suck. Fuck breeders. <laughs> That's why they're illegal in California. And I just ignored that because I am literally a young adult like and dumb. And also just ready to get into any trouble that I set up for myself. Corby was the uh, coping mechanism for dealing with... Wait, Conan was the coping mechanism of dealing with Corby's loss. And then Conan died. Because my mom's dog ate him. And so the next choice was cats. Because I am over birds. At this time, I was like, I am over birds. I'm not over birds. I'm just traumatized. But at the time, I was like, I'm over birds. Birds are too fragile. Birds cannot take care of themselves. Um, You are constantly in anxiety that everything you do is wrong like are there teflon in my pans that my building provides is there teflon in my oven my oven doesn't have an oven cleaner um but what if i clean the oven and the fumes get into my room and then conan can smell it and then he dies like oh i can't have candles oh i can't wear perfume but i can wear perfume as long as i keep the perfume in the car and as long as i don't spray perfume around him because the particles that come out when you spray perfume are the parts that are toxic if you spray perfume while you're next to your bird your bird could die there are oh when you leave your home and you leave your bird alone for eight hours a day it might pluck itself and it might become naked and then it'll look ugly and then that will be your fault because this is an eight year month old bird that you started with so it pretty much has only known you for its entire life And whatever trauma it is experiencing, it's because you are the one that has caused it. Same with cats, honestly. 
any trauma that my cats will, or self-harming that my cats may eventually do, will be because I caused it. But of course, like, you can't compare cats and birds. It's just a totally different thing. Um, There's this feeling in your mind of, like, birds are so hard. And trust me, birds are really hard pets. They are not meant to be pets, honestly. I used to think, like, birds are fine. Like, I, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I used to think that when people would say that they didn't believe birds should ever be pets, I used to think that was wrong. Like, oh no, birds can be pets. Conan is a great bird. I never really called him a pet until after he died, but just for the sake of this podcast, we're calling him a pet, but truly in my mind, he's always been my baby boy. I don't really ever have call him a pet, but like in the genre of just birds being captive, let's just call them pets. I've always heard that from bird tricks, for example, they say like, I don't believe in having birds, parrots as pets. Um, in the context, it's usually like a cockatoo, but truly it's all, they're, like Jamie Lee is talking about all parrots. She doesn't believe that any parrots should be pets. Um... And when I was with Conan and living my life here as a normal fucking person, I was like, oh, that's bullshit. Like, Conan's a great pet. Your pets are great pets. Like, or like, they're your children. Like, they're your family. Like, Conan's great family. Your birds are great family. That's insane. Like, why wouldn't birds be good as captive animals? You see them everywhere, like on the internet, on TikTok. Um, there's this one Korean YouTube channel that I follow that I can't think of the name of, but I'm sure I will find it in a second, because <laughs> that is what I should do. I don't really know how to explain this YouTube channel, but they have 4.43 million subscribers, and it's like a bunch of animal content, and they're called SBS TV, and then a bunch of Korean that I can't read, and they're a really good YouTube channel. I really like them, but sometimes they have parrot content. And you're like, oh my god, people in Asia have parrots, and parrots are from Brazil, India, Australia, and they made it all the way to Asia. Like, that's insane. Like, parrots make sense. There are plenty of people that are, in, like, there's this one Indonesian YouTuber that I followed that had free-flighted macaws. There are British YouTubers that free-flight their macaws. And you're like, oh no, parrots are great family members. And then you lose parrots. Then they die. And the reason for their death sometimes isn't the most make sense reason. Sometimes it's just like, what the fuck? Like, congenital disease from breeding. Because that's how poorly parrots are treated in the breeding community. Or just just in general. In general, they're treated terribly. But that's just an example of what can terribly happen to a parrot. Um... They are fragile. They can't defend themselves. Even if they're fully flighted, they can't protect themselves from predators. And dogs are predators. And Conan was trying to fly away from Nile, for all I know. And Nile caught up to him. And you'd think, oh, it's an 80-pound dog that can jump, like, five feet in the air. And the house is only eight feet tall. So whatever had happened in this moment that I wasn't privy to, like, the worst could have happened because it's a hollow-boned bird that's four ounces against an 80-pound dog. It's just not going to work, even if they can free fly. Like, there's just too many negatives that can happen that lead to horrible outcomes, and it teaches you they're not pets they're not viable pets all the things that i listed about like teflon and fragrances and candles and hot tools hairspray any aerosols any fragrance removers like if your shit smells like shit and you can't use lysol to get rid of the crappy smell you just have to rely on the fan and hope for the vest even though like it it doesn't matter that you can't use lysol but in this in a a sense it's like very restricting and it all builds up to a point where you're like god i keep denying myself of all these small things 
when it's my fault that I brought this bird into my life to make my life more difficult and this bird's life more difficult because they could easily just be fucking it up and vibing somewhere else. Or they could not have been born at all. They could have just not been born. Or they could have just vibed it up in Brazil like they're supposed to. I don't know. Or they could have lived horrible lives with someone else. And they could have died early, been given really shitty food, and just lived a really disgusting and pitiful life. Conan did not live a pitiful life. He lived a short life, but it wasn't pitiful. And I know we were talking about cats and birds came after cats. I don't know why, but my point is is to say that birds and cats are completely different. And cats, you don't have to deal with freaking Teflon killing your cat. It'll just fuck up your cat like it would fuck up any of us. You don't have to deal with candles killing your cat because it does the same thing to cats as it does to us. Sure, you have to worry about some plants, but like... You have to worry about string, because you hear all the time about how cats will eat string and then they'll have pulmonary issues, or like it'll tie against their tongue and then their cat will just die, or like the surgeries to fix the things that happen to them come into the tens of thousands, and then you're paying tens of thousands of dollars for a cat that might die anyway. Like you hear all this shit, but like that's just, it's just different. It's just theoretical when it comes to a cat and it's easily avoidable in a lot of ways that it isn't easily avoidable when it comes to a bird and cats have mass my cats are like eight seven pounds compared to a four ounce fucking parrot it's just a different beast And so, the bird saga is currently over until further notice. I mean, the only reason I entertain the fact that I might get a bird again someday is because I'm me. And because I know who I am and I know that I love parrots. I know I believe in free-flighting parrots. I know I believe in giving them really great diets. Conan had an amazing diet. Conan was free-flighted. He was trained. He was well-loved. He loved me. It was an amazing journey we had together. He was a perfect boy. The only problem was that he was antisocial because I didn't get a second bird. Um, but then we would have had two dead bird stories instead, or three dead bird stories, or four dead bird stories instead of just this current dead story, dead bird story. This one dead bird. We could have had two for God know for all we know. But. You can't just say, I'll never get a bird again. I can't say that. Even though at the time, I was like, I'm never getting a bird again. Which may be true. Maybe it'll be true. But at the moment, the saga is cats. Because cats seemed like a different beast. They seemed way easier than birds. And in a way, they are easier than birds. I thought they were cheaper than birds. That is not true. Uh, Maybe I'm just more frugal. The more I realize that... My college is eating up my money, um, and my rent is eating up my money, and my bad spending habits, like buying vagabond shoes and shit like that, is eating up my money. Um, and I'm like, ooh, I should probably get a job now. But that's what this is. This is me trying to get a job. This is me um, being a freelance worker, if you will. Anyway. Cats. I started the journey right after Conan dies, the 19th of December. Um, I had been looking at some cats in Long Beach, not really realizing the distance of Long Beach and Hollywood because I was back in Marin. Um, Getting back to Marin, or getting back to LA, being here with Lily, Lily leaving, me having a mental breakdown, me just trying to get past it and live on me being horribly miserable horribly depressed while looking for a cat me failing miserably me applying to like 15 different cats before receiving an acceptance on pepper pepper was my first cat she was adopted january 16th i want to say it was a sunday 
Um, I went to a cat event in Silver Lake, I want to say. I haven't, maybe Highland Park. And I get a call from my wonderful friend, who I'm not going to name names, but anyway, she was the foster coordinator for Pepper. And she was like, yeah, I saw your application for Pepper. We just have to do a tour of your home. And yeah, and then you have to sign some paperwork and then you can pick her up today at the earliest. And I was like, oh my God, are you fucking kidding? Like it's taken me a month to have this all figured out and I just am going to get this done all in one day. Amazing. Um, and so we get it all done. That woman is amazing, by the way. I'm not going to say her name, but she's wonderful. And I go to Pasadena. I meet her foster parents and they show me their own cats. They show me Pepper who at the time was named Cortana. She started as a summer, moved to Cortana, then moved to Betty, then Pepper. Like, there was a... I like to tease that she was almost a Betty because when I first met her, I had a vlog clip of me being like, she's a total Betty. <laughs> anyway. And I take her home. And we have a game night at my dining hall in my apartment, and we have a fun night. She meets a lot of my neighbors, and then she goes to bed, and... She shits on my floor or my bed sheets. She shits on my bed sheets and on my floor because she was anxious. She didn't sleep at all the first night. I didn't sleep at all the first night, which I'd never experienced with a bird. Birds always sleep. Birds need 12 hours of sleep. And then you meet cats and you're like, oh, they sleep in the day. And then they fuck you up at night, which is very annoying. Um, And that was Pepper. And there was two weeks of just me and Pepper. And those two weeks were glorious. It was wonderful, just Pepper and I. But I had the foreboding anxiety of just one cat. I was like, there's no way I'm just sticking with one cat. We experienced one bird, and one bird gave me so much anxiety of him always being alone. And that fucking sucked. And the joy of not having any pets, the only joy of not having any pets was that there was no one to come home to. And in a way, that was liberating. It is way lonelier to not have pets than to have pets as we all know but I just for a moment enjoyed the liberation of nothing to hold me back or nothing to come home to it seemed very bachelor and maybe I could be a bachelorette but we digress we adopted Pepper I get a call February 1st from another foster coordinator that I was working with in Long Beach because I was talking to her and I was telling her I'm interested in adopting cats. Then I realized Long Beach is very far away and I was like, mm, maybe not. Um, but anyway, she called me and she said, there's gorgeous cat that needs a home to foster and you have first priority to adopt, but I just want to let you know that they need someone and you could do this if, if you can, of course. And the lady that's taking care of her is allergic, so she needs to get out. And I was like, okay. Seems like a great move. Seems like a really cool idea. Let's go for it. I drive to Inglewood and I pick up Emma. Emma was a street cat, which is totally different to Pepper. Pepper had been living in the foster system for about five months. Pepper and Emma are totally different breeds of cat, both in color and look and also in personality. Emma is this scared victim of life of all the traumas that have happened to her in her very short time of being here pepper is a bimbo but a wonderful bimbo as all bimbos are um and she's an angel pepper is an angel of course emma's an angel but at this time that we meet emma she was not an angel she was very nice to her foster mommy. Her foster mommy bought her all the shit. I was telling you guys, the litter box, the pretty litter, the food, the toys. She had all the shit. Bowls, even. My mom is currently watching Turning Red. A lot of people have told me I need to watch Turning Red, but we will move on. Oh my lordy. I was like, tell me what you, what you think when you watch it. Uh, this is a sign, well, there's nothing I can do about the noise. Um, the noise will come, and if it pops up, then you get to know how popular I am, but just know it's my mom. Um, Emma. She liked her foster mom. 
when she comes with me, she's like, what the fuck? Why am I going with you? I chose my foster mom for a reason. I, I go, I went to her and be like, and went like, oh, lady, feed me, love me. And then this woman said, okay, I'll feed you. I'll love you. I can do that. I can provide. I can be your sugar mama. And sugar mama she was, and then gave all her sugars to me. Her sugars. Um, first I had Emma in one of the spare rooms in my apartment. Then I got kicked out of a spare room by the cleaning ladies. They were like, fuck you. <laughs> Get out of here. Then they locked the door. And I was like, okay, can't use that room anymore. I'm going to use my bathroom. And Emma stayed there in my bathroom for about like a week and a half. Maybe two weeks. I honestly don't know. Um, and the foster coordinator for Emma was in a rush to get her adopted. She posted her everywhere. She got plenty of responses. Someone actually came to meet Emma. I think I had had Emma for like a week at that point. Maybe a week and a half, two weeks. Um, and I'd been making a lot of headway with Emma. And she'd been getting better every day at that time. And I was like, okay, this could possibly work. She could possibly get adopted by someone. And then someone met her. <laughs> and saw that she made great first impressions. Uh, saw me hold her, which is honestly the longest I've ever really held her. I don't hold Emma a lot. She hates being held. Um, but I don't care. I, but I do care, and I don't care. So, that's where we're at. But anyway, I let this woman hold her. Her son was there. Her child, I could not tell if this person was, um, non- what is the word? Non-denomination? Non- non-conforming? Gender non-conforming? I think her- their son- or their child was gender non-conforming, so it's hard to talk. It's hard to like give a word, but their child was there. Their teenage child was there. Um, their teenager was there. Anyway, she was holding Emma, and she was like, "Damn, this cat doesn't give a shit that I'm holding it, and it's gone completely silent, and seems to be terrified of me, and is just kind of accepting what's happening to it." Which is a very, like, long-winded way of saying, Emma's disassociating in your arms. <laughs> She's going through trauma and trying to forget what's happening and is just knocked the fuck out, like, mentally. Which is hilarious and horrible. It is just horrible. Like, to see very human reactions coming from a kitten. I mean... The amount of time, the amount of different ages that I've heard that Emma is, is insane. It's five months. It's a year. It's eight months. It's four months. Because I thought she was four months. I have no idea how old Emma is. Um, I think she's younger than Pepper, but that's kind of only because she's smaller than Pepper, and she's a lot smaller than Pepper, and that's because Emma was a street cat. So, honestly, no idea. But they could probably be the same age. I'm just probably going to say that they were both born in June and just go along with it. Because I have no idea how old they are. Um, but anyway. Emma stays with me after that woman says, yeah, Emma is a mess. She is needy and annoying and full of trauma. And this woman described it as, I need a cat that's going to take care of me and my trauma because this year of COVID is fucking evil and I need a therapy cat. And I took that as that's so relatable and iconic, but at the same time, kind of unrealistic in a way, but also like not unrealistic in a way because Pepper was with a foster family for five months and is now bimbo. Like you can make a cat become your bimbo. Emma may one day lose all of her edges and become a cool cat but today's not that day of course but anyway emma stays with me and she is labeled the foster cat that did not get adopted then the foster coordinator for emma finds her a new person to adopt her and i start thinking about how comfortable i've become with emma being here and i've reached into the very primal part of my body that tells me she's now yours she's your property she's your cat no one's taking your cat 
So tell this woman no. But I couldn't come to the decision because Emma still hated me. Now, I was telling you guys how she liked her foster coordinator. But when Emma came to me, she had a very, like, disassociative introduction. And then it went from that to, fuck you. She fucking hated me. She fucking hated me so much. She was so scared. She was so angry. She was covered in fleas. She was recovering from the covering of fleas. I didn't want to touch her because she was gross and I didn't want to infect her or Dusty or me or my roommates or Pepper. I didn't want to infect anyone with Emma's nasty fleas. So it was a very rough start. And she was in the bathroom. Like she was confined to the bathroom and she felt very angry in such a small space. And she just slept all day and she was not vibey and she was still in the bathroom at this point she didn't really like get out of the bathroom the only time she went out of the bathroom was because i was in the trial periods of letting her integrate into my room and once she actually did integrate into my room i made the decision that i was going to keep her which is insane like it took just that and it was like okay i can see her living here let's move forward and then I told the foster coordinator that I was going to adopt Emma and that she needed to kick that lady out of the picture of adopting Emma because it wasn't going to happen I was going to keep her and that's how Emma got here and that's how I started with two cats I have no idea what day I adopted Emma but if we checked my Venmo history I'm sure we could find it it was sometime like two weeks ago it's only been a month with Pepper. Almost two. Almost two months with Pepper. Today's the 13th of March. So in three days it'll be two months. And then I adopted Emma two weeks later. Right, I picked up Emma two weeks later and adopted her a month later. Because she'd been with me for a month at that point when I adopted her. So they've both been with me for a very short while. And Conan's only been dead for three months. So almost four no three 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 months (sighs) so that's where we're at and that's how my life has been cat pet wise it has been existential it's been awful it's been stressful um i've been going through grief i've been going through anger i've redirected it towards other people last night for example was me redirecting of being angry at other people for things that they're doing but wanting to blow up in their faces and be like some trashy reality tv character that pulls their wigs and calls them flops and mentions the bus stations that they were dropped off at um referencing uh roxy andrews right now (laughs) yeah i really wanted to hit below the belt yesterday And I had to say a lot of um, anxiety-relieving and anger-relieving mantras to let that bitch go. Um, And that's where we're at. We're at the living day-by-day step of life. Except we're doing the living day-by-day step in L.A. (sighs) Film school is so hard. And I can make a whole episode about film school. And I mean, we've gotten plenty into it here. But I just want to say that even though I haven't worked in a year officially, it's reached a year this month, I officially haven't worked in a year. That is the longest I haven't worked in so long. I started working when I was 15, now 19, almost 20, and I haven't worked in a year like paid I haven't been paid in a year (laughs) worked plenty but haven't been paid in a year worked a normal job in a year and even though I'm slowly going broke and life is getting pretty scary on the financial end and I have now two big financial responsibilities to care for and I have myself to care for and I have a lot of fears for how the future is going to look and I have so many examples of the future going awry and I have 
not so many examples of the future looking like me being a millionaire and owning a home in LA. Like, there's not many examples of that. There are plenty of people that I respect that are in the process of buying a home in LA in 2022, which apparently you need a therapy group for that. Okay, so the rest of the footage cut out after that, but I just wanted to say that you need a therapy group to cope with the trauma that comes with buying a house in Los Angeles as a normal human being. But moving on from buying a house, because I'm nowhere near that, I'm just thinking about other people that are buying houses, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, my name is Juliana McKenna. I am a co-host for the No Culture Podcast. This has been a solo episode with me. My other two co-hosts are Joshua Santos and Samuel Schnee. Both of them are not here, but we'll say a hi and a hello to them, the kings. And thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Love you. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.